Our second scripture reading today comes from the New Testament book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to come help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we enter now into a time of examining your word, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit and show us yourself in these pages. Lord, may my words fall on deaf ears, but yours strike true to the heart. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, am I glad to see all of you. Seriously, it's just a blessing to be back here after everything, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Really. Praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm glad to be talking about these two women today because I love this story. I love Mary and Martha. It's such a relatable story, isn't it? Because in every group of siblings, in every group of friends, in every family, there's a Martha, right? Everybody has that one person that makes sure everyone else keeps their act together. That the bills get paid, dinner gets on the table, and the Christmas cards get in the mail before New Year's, right? I sometimes like to joke that for my brother, joining the Air Force was kind of a natural progression because after having three older sisters, he was pretty used to taking orders, right? And if you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, I don't, I don't think we have a Martha, I have some bad news for you. Martha's anxiety is so easy to understand here. Because I want you to imagine for a minute that when you get home from church today, you'll be hosting Jesus in your home. Jesus is coming. He's bringing all of his apostles and all the other people that have taken to following him around. And you have to feed all of them. And it's the first century, so there's no Jimmy John's that you can call, okay? You have to cook. You have to probably do some pretty intense spring cleaning, I'm thinking, if the is coming. And when he gets here, you want to make sure his every need is accounted for. And you're in charge. So you gotta, you got to handle this all by yourself. Well, not all by yourself. Your little sister is supposed to be helping you. But in between running back from the kitchen to the living room to the kitchen again, you look to see how she's doing with her half of the work. And what is she doing? She's just sitting there. Jesus Christ is a guest in your home. And you have been running yourself ragged all day. And you look, and your sister is just sitting there. Anybody immediately understand Martha's frustration? Yeah. But when Martha, flustered, overwhelmed, frustrated, tries to appeal to Jesus, instead, she's met with this, met with this loving, but gentle, but it is a rebuke, right? He says, Martha, 
You're worried about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, before we really get into Jesus' response, let's take a closer look at what's happening with Martha here. See, Martha was doing her job. She was the woman of the house. This is what she's supposed to do. And also, there's nothing to indicate that this was not a labor of love on her part. We know from Scripture that Mary and Martha both had a very loving friendship with Jesus. In fact, he raised their brother from the dead. So what's the problem here? Well, the problem isn't really with Martha's work. It's that when Martha took her eyes off of Christ, she lost the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. You see, somewhere along the line, Martha's preparations for Jesus became more important than Jesus himself. Now, I want you to think about this again for a second. Martha had the opportunity to hear Jesus live. Can you imagine? And she was missing it. And when she didn't go spend time with the Lord, he stopped being a priority in her time, so he stopped being a priority in her heart. And a couple things happened to Martha here. First, instead of having her attention on him and allowing him to sustain her through the busyness that she was going through, she instead turned her eyes toward all of her responsibilities, and she began to get overwhelmed. And when these things began to overwhelm her, she became frustrated, and she began to focus instead on how exhausted and stressed she was, and Martha got burned out. And once she was burned out, her frustration grew, and she became a little bitter. And after all that, when her attention focused outward again, it was not in a good way. And then her eyes landed on her little sister. And so then bursting out of her frustrations comes this accusation, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left all the work to me. Tell her to help me. And Martha's doing two things here that I think are really common when we reach that place of burnout and frustration. When Martha lashes out, she first questions Christ's goodness, and then she tries to tell him what to do. Lord, don't you care? Martha looks around at all the stress that is overwhelming her, and she cries out, God, don't you care about me? Don't you see what's going on here? Because when you're burned out, it feels like God has abandoned you. See, it's that feeling when you're the only person at work that actually cares about work getting done, right? And your coworkers don't have their act together, and your boss isn't doing anything about it, and you think to yourself, tomorrow when I walk into that office, I might just walk out. That might be it. This might be the last straw. And you look and you say, Jesus, don't you see how stressed I am? It's that feeling when the carpool is late and there's a million activities that need to be done and the children need to be taken care of, but you haven't had a real night's sleep in days and you're at the end of your rope and you go, Christ, where are you in all of this? Or when you're sitting by a hospital bed and you are the only one keeping your little group together, but you want to break down more than anything. But you can't. Because when the strong person breaks down, Who's there to pick up the pieces? 
And you look around and go, God, I can't see you in all this. And we forget. See, we forget that we have a Savior who loves us, who wants to spend time with us, who invites our weakness and doesn't expect us to have it all together. That Jesus said only one thing is needed to sit with him, to listen to him, and allow him to fill us from the inside out and sustain us in the way that the world cannot. And Martha forgot this very basic but beautiful truth. So once we're at that point of burnout, we see Martha do the second thing that we usually do. We lash out. Martha tried to tell Jesus what to do. Can you imagine that? Jesus. And in that moment, Martha was sure she knew exactly how to fix her problem. And we usually do too, don't we? If my spouse would just do this, that I, I wouldn't feel this way anymore. If my friend would just handle her own relationship problems, things would be different. We're full of solutions, but they're no longer coming from a place of love. And if we don't change course, as soon as we recognize ourselves falling into these patterns, our burnout can burn down our lives. It can ruin relationships. It can rob us of the joy that Christ wants to give us, even in the midst of stressful times. It will harden our hearts and leave us unable to show compassion to others. We are not meant to run on empty. And if we don't plug ourselves into the source, if we don't rest and spend intentional time with Christ and hear what he has to say, we will end up running on our own strength and we will reach the end of our ropes. And like Martha, we'll look up to the sky and we'll say, Lord, don't you care? And the tragedy of all this is, Jesus is just waiting for us to come to him with what's weighing on our hearts. You know, Martha called out Mary, but Martha was invited too. She chose not to come and sit next to her sister. And I want you to flip the script in your head for a second. Be Mary in this situation. And I love Mary. Mary's a rebel, right? And I'll tell you why. Women did not do this in the first century. In the first century, disciples would sit at the feet of their rabbis, and they would memorize their teachings so that they could learn and grow, and then in turn, pass those teachings along to others. And Jesus is doing something radical here by allowing Mary, and in fact, inviting Mary to come and sit with him. So Mary's probably already on thin ice here with a lot of the people present, and you can just imagine her looking around and going, am, am I going to get sent away? Is this going to be taken away from me? And then in swoops Martha, staring her down the way only an older sister can, demanding that Mary be put to work immediately. Can you imagine how her heart probably sank? How depressed she would have been to be sent back into that sea of stress that her sister was swimming in so that they could both be miserable and burned out together instead of both of them receiving the living water that is Christ. But Jesus says, no. Mary has chosen to sit with me, to learn from me, to love me, 
and allow me to love her in return. And that is more important than the never-ending checklist of things that need to be done. And you will not take her away from me. See, in Jesus' words here, we see an invitation to the Marthas and a promise to the Marys. It's an invitation to all of us who are weary to come and rest. And a promise that if we do, if we Marthas lay down our type A tendencies and become like Mary, he will not allow us to be taken away from him. If we seek God, we will always be met with an open hand. See, Mary's rebelling against what the world expects us to do. The world likes the daily grind. You'll even see people bragging about it sometimes. You'll see people go, oh, I got three hours of sleep last night, and someone else pops up, I got two, right? But that's not how we're meant to function. Taking a break is not something that the world understands, and it's not something it likes. Because when we do take a break, to spend time with God, we are proclaiming three things. First, I trust God to handle my problems, and that if I rest for a day, it will be all right because I believe he will handle it. Second, if things fall through the cracks, it will be okay because my worth is not in a completed checklist. It comes from being a child of God. And third, strength and peace come from sitting at Jesus' feet, not from the whirlwind of frustration and worry so many of us are trapped in. And you know, God knows us so well, right? He knows this is hard for us. It's difficult for us to make time to sit at his feet. And he knows us so well, he actually built in a day of the week specifically for this purpose. And it's what the Bible calls the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest. It's not a cosmic timeout, okay? You're not supposed to just sit there and be miserable for 24 hours once a week. This is a day built in specifically for spending time with God and each other and being restored. It's a day for doing the things that you love with the people you love and enjoying the gifts that God has given as you spend time with him. And God took this day so seriously that he put it up there in the Ten Commandments with not murdering and not lying which should tell us something. We are designed to need rest and to need time with him. And taking a Sabbath day is a very natural way to make sure that we don't fall into the same trap that Martha did. Listen, your Sabbath does not have to be Sunday. I'm, I'm actually taking mine tomorrow. It's just a day of the week that you take off for rest and time with Christ. And since not everybody connects with Christ in the exact same way, our Sabbaths won't look exactly the same either. You can go take a walk and see the beauty of God in nature. You can sing a hymn. Go spend time with somebody you love who points you back to Christ. But when we do these things along with being in the word and prayer, we find peace and rest that we're not going to find anyplace else. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be flippant here. It does take planning sometimes throughout the rest of the week to get that Sabbath day free, right? But it's worth it. Sabbath is a gift. Step out of the stream for one day and rest with the Lord in the way that he designed us to do from the beginning. So here's my question, fellow Marthas. Are you tired? Are you overwhelmed? Is your heart trending toward bitterness 
And are you craving a break from the anxiety and worry that are threatening to drown you like waves in a storm? It's hard sometimes to see the Mary sitting there. We feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders alone. But remember, it's not. We have a Savior who's willing and able and excited to take that load away from us. And Martha's, we're invited to. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. He's better than the things in this world, and he's eager to hear from you. Won't you come and sit at his feet? You know, I'm thinking about the words of the hymn that we sang earlier. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's mine, and he's yours. Brothers and sisters, he's our shield from the anxieties of life, and he will not allow you to be taken away from him. Hallelujah. Amen.